Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, boys and girls? You know who it is. It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. The Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined as always. Hello. The spanky to my alfalfa, <laughs> Chad Sowash. And today we welcome, oh, this is a big deal. We got the CEO of Fountain Kids, Sean Don't Poke the Bear Bear. Sean, how are you, man? Great to be here, guys. I'm doing really, really well. Dude, what took you so long? It's been a while. I mean, we, he's never been on the show. You've you've had a name change. You've had a rebrand, hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. Oh, my God. It's been hard for me not to sleep some nights because you haven't been on. Hey, soft, soft bank takes up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, a lot, like, investors take up a lot of time. But let me tell you, it's not for, uh, not for lack of trying. I mean, you guys, I've only been the CEO here for two years. And wow. it's, it finally, I got on. I feel like. I don't know. Do you guys, is there a, is there a certificate that comes at the end of this? It's like I can frame and put on my uh, wall or. Okay. <laughs> Say more, Sean. Say more. We love you long time. We need to get him a Chad and Cheese stepbrothers poster is what we need to get. <laughs> we, we could work that out. Work that out. Only if he has a bunk bed. Now. That's Only right. There's a bunk bed. So much more room for activities. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Excellent. So what's the Twitter bio on you, Sean, before we get to the company and our topic of the day? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a tech guy through and through. This is my fourth company, uh, the first one in the HR world. But I did, uh, did a company in the e-commerce space and uh, did a company in the advertising technology space and one in the automotive technology space. And uh, now in the hiring space. So did, did you hit your head and then decide an <laughs> HR company was a good idea? Yeah, I didn't didn't think that one fully through. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> no, it's good. been really great. Look, here, here's what I would say. You know, if we, uh, this will be the only moment that maybe is uh, is righteous at all on this entire podcast, uh, at least for me. The world's going to be fine with or without better targeted uh, ads selling you uh, soda and food. You know, there's something about HR where I do my job. At the end of the day, thousands and thousands of people get get a job, and you know, better than uh, showing uh, 15 second commercials that you uh, you are, you're annoyed by and can't skip. So you're trying to say car parts really wasn't your passion? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Tell us about that journey, though. The name of the company, was it Stream? Pardon, Stratum? Yeah, Stratum. It was a, a, a great company. It's focused on sort of the world of car sharing and ride sharing. So, you know, uh. um, sort of this future of autonomous driving, which it, which may or may not actually ever arrive. But um, a great company, a lot of disruption happening in that space. But again, you know, relatively small impact, right? The number of people who are actually giving up their car and uh, is relatively relatively small. Whereas in HR tech, it's, you know, people are getting jobs, at least for the companies that can hire them right now. I know it's a very, very challenging market. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is way too much for a Friday. Let's get to like the good. Oh, okay. So here's a quick question before we jump into the topic, because with 219 million, I think it is, what is the current valuation of Fountain is question one. Great. Uh, what is the current valuation? It's it's almost a billion dollars. Um, it's uh, it's not quite there. Almost what? Yeah, almost. It's not quite there though. But look, I think it's a fair valuation. Obviously, you know the markets have corrected, and I think you're going to see a a lot of changes in valuations over the next twelve to twenty four months. Yeah, they've been bloated as hell. That's Latin for layoffs. <laughs> There are there are definitely going to be a lot of layoffs in the world of tech. You know, we've already seen some. I think you'll see some more. But the truth is, this whole industry, the venture backed industry, is is based on public market companies. Now, mm-hmm. as all of us know in our four hundred one ks, public company prices have come down dramatically. It's it's inconceivable that that won't have a, a an effect on private companies. You can't say that you're worth. $5 billion, if there's a company that's bigger than you, that's already public, that's only worth $2 billion. Um, so I think there'll be a reckoning here. And I think you're starting to see companies sort of focus. Sean, quit dropping common sense on the Chat and Cheese <laughs> podcast. Okay. That's I love it. Common, it's a no common sense. By the way, sense, Silicon Valley has never been one for common sense. So um, <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. With that being said, you, you guys have been around for you've been around for a few years. You have a big name in the industry. No acquisition yet. Who's your first acquisition? You know, we actually have done uh, done acquisition already. Very very small one, but um, we acquired a company called Coan, which was a, a, a great team in the OKR space. Is that an aqua hire for most part? For most part, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, okay. But just incredible team and incredible vision and product, and and has made a big impact for us. Where I think the next one will come, and, and we're definitely in acquisition mode. I would say, you know, we're we're looking at a number of companies as we speak. One, they have to be the right size. You know, we're we're uh, you know we're roughly two hundred and fifty employees, so you know we would only acquire something that is uh, you know digestible for a, for a company our size. Mm-hmm. But it also has to increase you know what we're up to, right? Now, our our mission is to open opportunities for hourly workers and blue collar workers around the world. So technologies and products that will help me do that more effectively are really interesting. But I think as you can probably guess, and you guys have talked to everybody, most of the time, 
companies are focused on the knowledge worker, you know, people that are on Zooms and, you know, sit behind a desk and think about marketing and sales and accounting. A lot of those companies just aren't, aren't attractive to us. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't add a lot of value to what we're up to. We're interested in companies that are in technology and product that's focused on sort of the workers are in the field, people who are delivering you food and your packages and driving trucks and working in stores and restaurants and grocery stores. So this is a, this is a long elevator ride, Sean. Yeah. This is getting long. Okay. <laughs> so let me, let me summarize. You are a platform to hire uh, high frequency positions. Correct. Hourly workers. From finding to onboarding, like the whole process. Correct. But that's not why you're here today, Sean. I, I didn't think so. I thought I was just here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully you're going to have fun and are still having fun. The, the, what we're here to talk about is that you do not believe there is a worker shortage. You believe there's a speed shortage. Explain. Yeah. I mean, I think what what's really happening in the, and again, I'm, I'm going to be speaking mostly about sort of the world of the hourly worker, you know, the person who's in the field. Um, but I think this is probably also applicable to the knowledge worker who's, you know, sitting behind a computer all day. The easy way out is to say that there is, you know, no one's applying for the job. You know, there's just not enough people that, and, you know, there, there may be some elements of truth to that. But I think the core thing that is overlooked is how important speed is in the hiring process, it's explicitly in the world of hourly work. Just to kind of give you guys a sense, an average hourly worker is a problem when they go into job search mode, which they go in fairly often, you know, usually once a year at least, they're not applying to two jobs that they really like. They're applying to like 10 jobs simultaneously. Are they typically in the same sort of universe? Like, hey, I want to be a server, so I'm going to apply to 10 restaurants. Is that typically how it works? Yeah, typically. Like, you know, I've already applied to one, you know, I'll apply to 10 restaurants right? Or, or five stores or seven stores. And what happens then is now you're on the radar of seven stores. They also don't wait around for three months for the best offer, right? Usually they're like, I, wanna, I need to get a job in the next two weeks. So if you're a company that can't move fast, you lose. When you say speed, do you mean the actual apply process? Do you mean the time that it takes for a restaurant or a business to connect with you or interview you? Like define speed for everybody. And a big picture, it's the whole process. But but I'll even give you an example of something really, you know, really small. If you're trying to hire servers and you're 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 running a restaurant and you I tell you that everyone who applies for your job is also applying to seven other restaurants, you have a much higher chance of getting that applicant, especially the good ones. If you get to them first, if you wait five days, you should assume that the other six restaurants have already contacted them. They're already in the process. They may have already even interviewed. The chances of you coming from behind and grabbing that great applicant, very, very low. Yep. So you said that, you know, th- there could be a problem that nobody is applying and, and we're actually seeing data that it, that is a huge problem right now. So how how can a company actually get past that? They have all these old processes that are driven by their current quote unquote new tech, but they've, all they've done is they've jammed those 1990s paper processes into the computer, right? The computer screen. So how do we get past that? Because that is one of the biggest 
obstacles in being able to actually get candidates in the first place. And because if you don't get that, you can't even worry about speed, especially for government. Yeah, government for sure. Um, it's a it's a great point. Um, and I think one of the things that this has this sort of the last two or three years has been obviously very tough for everybody, but the last two or three years have been things that would have never been thought of in an HR department are now like thought of. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I, I, I spoke to a, a prospective customer probably six months ago who told me absolutely clearly that they would never have anyone working under the age of 18 in any of their stores anywhere in North America. Full stop. Yeah, why? Did they give you a why? Good luck with that. Yeah, they just, it's been their policy. That's just been their, you know, their ethos forever. Um, go on their website now. You can be 16 and work in their stores. <laughs> you know, and, and good for them, right? I mean, like, but unfortunately it took a, you know, it took a pandemic and, uh, you know, a, a national labor problem to get them to rethink a longstanding tradition. I have another customer who said, no matter what, no matter how low this job pays, no one can work at this company unless they give me a resume. And I said, I, I get it. I mean, I understand that you think it's a measure of quality. We can debate that. But I'm telling you, in this economy, in this time, it might be a good time to get rid of that requirement and just try it. And how many 16-year-olds have a resume? Correct. And what do you, even if they did, what, do you, what does it say? I, what? Yeah, nothing. It says nothing. Fortnite. <laughs> yes. How do you spend your day? I mean, it, 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 nothing. It's got like two bullet points, you know, made coffee, rang register. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating? manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text uh. kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> so, so, Sean, we, we talk a lot about it on the show, and, and there are examples where, obviously, pay is a huge issue with this. Obviously, speed is an issue, but 
I mean, if you're paying a, a, a living wage, won't people deal with the speed challenges or not? Uh, no. Wow. The good news here, look, I, I do think the pay has gotten better in a lot of places. And I think there are certain companies where, um, you know, if you can't pay to that $15, $20 range, it's going to be complicated. It's going to be challenging for sure. Mm-hmm. But again, if I'm applying to 10 jobs, there's at least a few of them that are in, you know, in a pretty good pay range. You know, there's, it's not like everyone's down at the bottom. There's probably two or three that are closer to the $20 range. There's some that are in the $15, $16 range. If you're in that, you got to be in the range. You got to be somewhat competitive because, because being really low will definitely get you eliminated. But as long as you're competitive, then the question is just, can you execute? Right. And if it's one company's at $15, one's at 16, but the guy who's at 15, I've already gotten a couple of text messages from him and I've scheduled an interview and I'm going in tomorrow morning and I have that interview and he says I can start Monday. Even if someone's willing to pay me 16, if they ping me on Monday, I'm going to be like, hey, you should have called me last Tuesday. I, I'm already starting a new job. Right. I, I, here's, a, here's a great example. I have a customer of ours. Um, they were doing well hiring. This is in the warehouse worker space. So just kind of dimensionalize that around the country. I um, mean, it was taking them, I think, something like three weeks from the, the moment the person applied to the moment the person showed up for the first day of work. And what was happening was the people would apply, they would get the job, they would fill out all the paperwork, and then day one would show up and they wouldn't come. They would ghost. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and this was a mystery. And I was like, no, it's not a mystery. That person started working for a different company 10 days ago. Yeah. yeah. That, that's it. They're now hiring people at a roughly seven and a half days from application to first shift. And ghosting has, has, has generally removed itself as a challenge. Shocker. Yeah. So yeah, uh, being able to to have somebody sit out there not getting paid versus getting paid. Yeah, that uh, that seems like a benefit. It seems like a benefit to get paid. Um, so let, let let's jump back real quick as Joel was talking about wages. You know, there's a a bigger macro kind of narrative that's happening where we started calling these individuals, which I think is amazing, and they started to see that they are essential to work, uh, essential to to an organization actually doing anything, right? And they felt like they deserved better. So they just ejected out of the actual workforce for, for a time or they quit. Uh, and we saw all the quitting that was actually happening. Do you think that we're going to be able to get those 3.2 million people who have left the workforce to actually come back into the workforce because they were treated so badly and paid so so badly over the years? I do think you'll see some of them return. I don't think you'll see everyone return. I mean, there are some some people that are that are, have have moved on to different you know different opportunities, and we, we can talk about that. But I, I do think you'll see some return. Look, the the last two and a half three years have have been you know challenging around the world for lots and lots of reasons. On the if, if you're if you want to be an optimist for just a second, I think it's been a catalyst for this notion of the importance of these kind of workers. I'm dismayed that it took a, a three-year health thing where we basically had to shut down our economy to realize the importance of people. Look, you know, sitting in sitting here in, you know, in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, people will tell you that, you know, software engineers are the most important people. We got to get more software engineers, all that stuff. You know, you don't want to talk about a role that's really important. Commercial truck drivers. 
Oh yeah. Or the people or the people actually pulling the shit off of the ports. Exactly. Like those are really important jobs. Frank, by the way, really hard to hire for right now. Yes. It's harder to hire a commercial truck driver than it is to get a software engineer at this at this moment in this country. But I do think long term this has been a catalyst for the empowerment and the value of hourly workers. I think if we're honest, if we're really honest about sort of the way we've thought about talent over the last 20 years is when we were talking about talent, we really were excluding the people that were hourly workers from that conversation by large part. And I think the reality is most teams thought two things about this, this worker population. Again, maybe they wouldn't admit this, you know, all the time, but I think it's a fair estimate, which is over the last 20 years, we said two things about hourly workers. Number one, they always quit. And number two, we can just replace them. The problem now is the first statement's still true and the second one isn't. You can't just replace them. Well, we just saw Amazon. They did a study in, in, some, of their, in some of their areas where they operate. They've already burnt through the workforce. Correct. So, Sean, I'm guessing that there are people listening that are saying, you know what? We had 18 months of, of unemployment benefits. STEMI checks go out. We had, you know, trillions of dollars, uh, you know, created. Yeah, all these people have you know, started their own business, but 85, 90 percent of businesses fail. The gig economy is going to lose its luster. Aren't there people out there saying, you know what? It's going to go back to the way it was in 12 to 18 months. I don't really need to make changes. Do you agree? I assume you don't agree with that, but I assume that there are people that believe that. What would you tell those people? Yeah, I, I don't agree with it. I, I, do, I do think there are people who think that. And I think, by the way, those people have been waiting for it to go back to normal for the last 12 months. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is the new normal. Um, I think, and again, I think in a labor in a labor market like we're in, you don't need 20% of the people to leave the market. Even small numbers of people deciding to opt out have really big impacts on the big picture of things. I do think it's going to be a hyper-competitive labor market going forward for this, for this world. And what I can tell you is doing the work that we would recommend, by the way, with or without Fountain, I mean, you can, you can, there's other companies that you could work with and other technologies, and you could even do this manually. But implementing the ethos that Fountain brings, I can, I can number one, be assured you're going to be successful regardless of the labor market. Um, and you'll just be, if it turns out that I'm wrong and that, you know, millions and millions of people are going to come back and it's go back to business as usual, you'll be twice as efficient and, you know, good for you. And, but if I'm right, you're going to be able to thrive in a market regardless of, of how challenging it is. Well, we have those industries or, or, or those areas like we were just talking about Amazon and how they're burning through talent where people aren't leaving, they're just shifting, right? They're, 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 not, they're not leaving the, the workforce, they're just shifting what they're doing because it's like, hey, look, I don't want to do that shitty job. This, I'm going to try this one over here. So they change industries entirely. So, you know, again, how do you, how do you actually convey to an organization that it is about getting them in fast? Speed is key. There's no question. But it's also about how you treat them when they get in. Yeah, I would say it's even important how you treat them when they're applying for the job. You know, like from the moment they apply, 
you've got to put your best foot forward there. And then obviously all the way through the onboarding process. And then, you know, when they show up for the first day of work, you know, you've got to do that. It's a, it's a full life cycle process, but think about the number of people who are, who apply for an hourly job, who never hear back from the company. And we wonder why they ghost us. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you know, like you've got to do a great job from the moment that person applies. The interesting thing here is when you, if you went back a couple of years here, I think if you asked Taco Bell who their competition was for both customers, and by the way, I don't want to pick on Taco Bell, great, great company. Uh, we talk about Taco Bell all the time, Sean, don't worry. But if you ask Taco Bell or, or, or Domino's Pizza, whoever, who's your competition? They would have said Pizza Hut, McDonald's, and whoever else. And I said, no, 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 who's your competition for labor? And they would have said, same answer. It's Domino's, you know, uh, uh, Wendy's and McDonald's. And I said, okay, guess what? Your competition for labor is definitely those guys, but it's also Amazon and Walmart. It's DoorDash and Uber, Lyft and, you know, 10 other companies that are out there and they're all going after that same population. That, that is a, that has changed. The other thing that's changed for them is they were primarily, you know, they, they just assumed they just could, Hey, we'll burn through these people. And then, you know what? It's just cheaper to just get new ones. (laughs) Not anymore. A few weeks ago, we talked about Amazon, uh, an internal memo that basically said, we're out of people to hire in five, in a few years, right? Like we really are churning through the labor force in these local markets, which is a little bit scary. Scary. Yeah. Look, I think it's a, you know, I know that, uh, that there was that memo that went around or that strategy doc that they were, you know, interested in sort of going through people and that that was, that was fine. I, I do think that they're going to need to rethink that. Sean, where are you on, uh, uh, I got to bring up robots. I got to. Oh God, I was going to hit that. Damn it. So in, in, in two perspectives, one is sort of the, what we think of as robots that are flipping burgers, robots that are delivering things and, and the, the, the kind of direct robots taking jobs. Cause I think, the devil's advocate would say some people are just saying we're going to have robots do these jobs uh, at some point. And the other is the perception of robots. So you mentioned trucking and we've talked to, to people in the industry that say, look, why would people get into a career if they think that automated cars are going to be the future and, and driverless trucking? So there's the perception of robots and the actual robots that are coming. Where where are you on that? Yeah. And, and, and I'll state this from the fact that, you know, I, I spent the last seven years prior to this, dealing with autonomous driving. So I know a little bit about sort of this. A little expertise here, kids. A little expertise here. here here's what I would say about the world of, of automation and, and, and robots. One, it's a long way away. Um, and, and look, I, I've ra- I raised tens of millions of dollars in that space from investors and, and built a great company and had a great exit with it. But real automation of a lot of these things is decades away. That's the first statement. I wish it were sooner. And by the way, when I originally came up with those company ideas, I, I thought it was, you know, three, four, five years away. It turns out it's closer to 20, 25 years away. The second thing I would say is, you know, there's this, you know, if you go back to the, the ATM machine, which is, which is a, you know, a crazy time again, decades ago. We still have tellers. Yeah. Like oh, there was this idea that the ATM was going to, you know, eliminate the banking profession and that it would die because we would just go to ATMs and there would be, we'd never need to talk to a human being. Actually, the reverse happened. More people work in sort of frontline banking jobs after the introduction of the ATM. Now, 
the job they're doing is different, right? It used to be that you know you would walk in, give a check, and that human being would give you cash. That's not what they're doing anymore. They're doing something else. I think you're going to see the same thing. I think you see the same thing today in grocery stores. You know, in my grocery store, obviously there's self checkout. I love it, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, if I were having a beer with you guys, I can't buy my beer at the self checkout, right? What? Where, where do you live? That's crazy. That's bullshit. Got to fix that here in California. But what I think you're seeing inside a grocery store is sure there's self checkout, but there actually are more employees in that store. Grocery, you know, grocery stores are going after pharmacy, meaning they're adding lots of people in there. They know that's a great recurring source of revenue and a great reason to get you into the store to buy, you know, you, you pick up your prescription and then, you know, we'll get you to buy $20 worth of uh, beer and microwave popcorn or whatever but it that, is. But that's different, Sean, because what you're doing there is you're actually just, you're expanding the total addressable market, right? Correct. I mean, this is, this is changing. You're still, you're still expanding. You're doing something different. Let's jump into these, these numbers real quick though. Right now there are 11.3 million open jobs in the U S with only 5.9 million uh, unemployed workers. Okay. That that's a huge, huge gap. So Joel and I talk about it all the time and, and we see that we've got these robot servers who are actually helping. They're, they're not actually doing the serving, but they are helping to go back and get the food. We see Amazon is doing everything they can to get to get rid of humans. Uh, we even were talking about on today's podcast that dropped the military and how we see them inching more toward drones, whether they're in the air in the sea or on the actual battlefield. I I would say, and tell me what you think about this, that there are some of these industries that we will see automation happen so much faster because of that huge 11.3 and 5.9 gap. What do you think about that? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a compelling, it's a compelling thing, Chad. It's a compelling, compelling story. I get it. Right. I, I can tell you though, I've, I've sold that story. You know, successfully sold that story Uh in the world of drivers. And so you were bullshitting people. That's what you're saying. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. That's just, I was wrong. I was, and and frankly, I wasn't even wrong. I was just too early. That's, Ah, that's what you actually say. Yeah. Yeah. It's too early. No, look, I think what what I would come back to this gap, right? There, There may be a gap in the big picture, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that every company should be suffering from the gap equally. Let's say, you know, if you're saying there's a 50% less than we need, if you're a company that's doing really well, putting a great foot forward with applicants, contacting them, moving quickly, you can be the one of the companies that is fully staffed. It just means somebody else is going to be under 50% staffed. Um, So even inside this gap, there are, look, there are fountain customers right now that are fully staffed who are paying under $15 an hour in, in, in wages, mm-hmm. fully staffed. It, 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 you know, even if you believe that at the macro picture, there's a shortage, that doesn't mean that the macro picture shortage affects all companies equally. I think you're going to see winners and losers as they compete for this talent. Yeah. Love it. Sean, don't poke oh, the bear. Oh my goodness. Bear, everybody. CEO of Fountain. John, thanks for joining us today. For those that want to know more about Fountain or you, where would you send them? Absolutely. You can go to fountain.com, learn all about us. Uh, and if you're, if you're passionate about hourly workers, if that's something that you know, you're focused on, uh, we'd love to talk to you. 
And thanks for having a nice URL. We really appreciate it. that happens. <laughs> Chad, it's Friday. It's almost happy hour. Well, actually, it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Yes. Another one in the can. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.